2: Hello, welcome to Manchester's Red podcast for the Manchester United News. I'm joined today by Kieran Kelly hello, and Samuel Lutkhurst. Hello. Nice to have you both here, but of course there's only one place to start today. Um, the awful news of, over the weekend about the club legend, the greatest manager of all time, Alex Ferguson. Hopefully he'll be recovering well and he'll be back again soon, but any updates on that, Samuel
1: There's There's nothing more concrete uh, on it at all and... It's understandable. It's a very sensitive situation. What with someone's um, medical information, and given the severity of um, the procedure you went underwent on on Saturday, um, Josie Maria's press conference is on Wednesday. and People might have, by the time some people have heard this, they've there may have been a new update, but. I think the early signs, from what I've been told, are, are promising. Um, he's, he, he's, he's making good progress as far as, as we understand it, which is encouraging. Uh, obviously, as I said, there have been no um, confirmed updates from Salford Royal Hospital or, or Manchester United, for that matter. I'd imagine that Mourinho will probably talk about him ahead of the West Ham game. He's, he's not said anything on, on Instagram he's, he, he doesn't have to at all, I think it's, it's important to mention some people are trying to bully certain players yeah. into sending a message when you know it's up to them how they go about it, uh, I think Patrice Evra addressed that very very well um, on his own Instagram page, he said I've got his number so I, I don't have to post anything um, but that when, when, when I got the, the tip, the message and Know, about him being taken to the Newer mm-hmm. Award, you, you really do fear the worst. And then when the Darren Ferguson news uh, mm-hmm. came out from Doncaster, you just thought, oh God, this is you know, this is the worst case scenario. And you can't understate the severity of something like that, but it was encouraging that the club put out that positive statement yes. so soon after it happened as well. So I think he's the master of comebacks and hopefully this is, this is another comeback he pulls off, but... As I said, it's, it's a, he's going to need a, a period of in, intensive care. and It, it, was, it was pleasant that uh, Edwin van der Saal was one of the yeah. former players who sent a message and it said it was from him and his wife Anne-Marie. Mm. And she had a brain hemorrhage in, in 2009 and, and recovered from it really well. And, and when you see her in the direct box at Old Trafford, so they still come to games quite often. She looks well. Obviously with Ferguson being 76, it's a completely mm. different way of of recovering but um, I think the real shock factor was seeing him against Arsenal beckoning Mourinho down and acting like the the godfather of the five families (laughs) of the Premier League with with Wenger by his side and and he looked really well and he spoke really well on camera about Wenger as well so uh, you you can never take life for granted but it it seems like he, he will be okay so Uh, that's the main thing at at this kind of stage
2: Yeah of course and uh, as United said in their statement it's a a moment to give the family the privacy that they deserve and they need this time as much as they need but like you alluded to there it was nice seeing Wenger when he started his farewell as well at the Emirates the first thing he said was I want to wish Ferguson well and it's been in a way it's been nice seeing all these tributes pouring for Ferguson because he's he's the most important manager of all time really
0: Yeah uh, I think football and social media get a a bad rep sometimes deservedly but you're seeing the two real positives of, of both uh, subjects and platforms, you know, the past weekend, you know, whether it's Roberto Mancini uh tweeting or um, the city you know, fans at the yeah, end of the city city card, of game Yeah, city fans at that game Could have could've, you know, naturally got caught up in the title celebrations and then uh, Pep Guardiola's words before the game were really nice as well, you know, uh, Ferguson I'm taking him out for dinner only a few weeks ago to celebrate the title. So it's it's been really nice to see the, the football world and the world in general um come come together behind this this man you're seeing um you know a very uh, clear tone it's not tributes it's it's um it's messages it's 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 fighting it's hope Th- those same words are coming up and it's also been time to kind of um reflect on you know some of the the things that maybe weren't not so much forgotten but you know had you know, other things that overtake themselves, you know, some things he did after Hillsborough and and those fans who have those each have those personal memories of him that they're they're reminded the world of. And um, I think that's been what's been so nice is that um, as well as being such a huge figure still in football, still called the boss by so many at United, including someone like Michael Carrick, um, fans too each have their own little um, message and memory of him. And um, I think... You know, it's just been a reminder of, of what a great figure he is.
2: Yeah, what a, a brilliant figure! And uh, like I said earlier, the greatest manager of all time. Do you agree with that, Samuel? And what he's done at United's been—it's unbelievable, and it's—it's it it's hard to put into words just how influential he's done just football as as a general.
1: Yeah, um, it was—it was really strange in a way because when you're in that mode of preparing for the worst, yeah, you don't—it's very fine line that you have to tread because like as, as Kieran was right to say you, you don't want to use the word tribute because yeah. it gives the impression someone has passed away he hasn't pieces content that you do, and you don't want it to sound like a yeah. obituary or, or referring to him in, in in the past tense either and it is easy to get it is very easy to get sentimental about him when he's in the state that he was in city on, yeah. on Saturday uh, and th- there has been a lot of reminiscing a lot of um Old memories, getting trudged up and what have you, and that's understandable. And it's it's kind of a celebration of a guy who who is still very much an influential yeah. figure in football, who's still going to the UA for coaching conventions. Who, whenever you see him on telly, you want to turn the volume up. You want to hear what he has to say. Uh, if he ever has another book coming out, it's going to be a bestseller. Um, it's that 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 is that is the man. I mean, I was. I feel slightly bad saying. I think I was, when he retired, I was asked, how would you rate him out of 10? Yeah. And I said nine and a half because he didn't win enough Champions yeah. Leagues. And I think he actually said that himself. But it, I mean, it's, it's a churlish way to look at it. Now yeah. I you say 10 out of 10 because you didn't realise just how good United yeah. had it all that time. And yeah. there were things like Rock of Gibraltar, the Glazers, that for. Time there, it was very turbulent. It was quite toxic, but uh, he was the glue that held that club together during those those periods. And it was almost like in the last last six or seven years for him, like it, it was just a challenge. Like okay, yeah. I'll, I'll you know, City will spend all this money, and I'll only buy an unknown Mexican, a one time Portuguese vagrant, and a Fulham reserve, and I'll still go and win the league. And yes, there were mitigating factors behind all that, but. You look at particularly last the last two United titles winning squads. I don't think there is a man in in history who could have won no. the Premier League with those squads other than him. And I think there was a biography done on him in 2010 by um, a Scottish journalist who I think Fergie had an axe to grind with. And he concluded by saying he wasn't he, he is not a genius, and that's complete codswallop. He, he is a football genius. There's no doubt about it. And you just see the reverential tones uh, other managers speak about him. And we're not just talking about uh, managers in the lower leagues. We're talking about Pep Guardiola and Anessa Valverde. Anessa Valverde has just won La Liga with Barcelona. Mancini is a title winner. You know, some, some really brilliant modern managers and he, he's the boss to them. So, uh, yeah, we could be here until next year talking about his achievements and, and all the colour that has, that has come with it along the way.
2: Yeah, and uh, I guess we can conclude that on. Just we all wish him the very best. So, Alex, the, the greatest living manager of all time. Um, we look back to last weekend against Brighton. Yes. It seems a, <laughs> a decade ago almost. It was a. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, you, you were both there, unfortunately. Um, we, we often say how glamorous it is getting to cover United, but that trip down to the south coast and it's, it's, and it's a lovely place, just so far away. It's <laughs> too far away from the
1: marina and the pier, and the, 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 uh, the scheduling of it on a, on a Friday night was ludicrous, really. Yeah, yeah. Out
2: of all the games that were on this weekend, as well, there were so many more lo- local clashes yeah, that could have been televised. Friday, insane, yeah.
1: I, I think the, the broadcast will be happy because they got to see. Bright, it, it wasn't really a shock that United lost, no, no. but Brighton beating United is a great national story, and also it meant that Brighton stayed, stayed, up. stayed up, and and Chris Upton deserves an awful lot of credit for that. Uh, although Brighton won against uh, just <laughs> just dismal United yeah. side, and we've we've seen it before this season that they'll have a big win, and then they'll the following week they'll just collapse. Happened last month against City, okay beating Arsenal isn't really a big win these days, but there's definitely a mentality problem in that squad where you look at, as as Kieran and I were discussing while waiting for the Brighton wives and girlfriends and children to clear out the press conference room, (laughs) there have just been too many horror shows from United this season, like Huddersfield, um, Sevilla, Newcastle, as you say, Bristol City, the Tottenham game, the West Brom game, (laughs) I think the only two acceptable defeats, if you like, with the City home game where Mourinho just got his tactics wrong and mm. Chelsea away, we, let's face it, United always lose at Chelsea anyway. But it's it makes it, I think, worse that this was a relatively insignificant game for, for United because Mourinho was effectively challenging these players who yeah. came into the side to go out there, show me what you can do. Um, there could be FA Cup final places to play for there. And... It was just a bad vibe about them from from the very start. They it was just lack, they were lackadaisical. Uh, they were casual. Uh, you know, Flaney scored early on, but was offside. Other than that, that's only a set piece. You just didn't see anything from them. And again, the best player was the goalkeeper, which we've said so many times over the last few years. And it just made a mockery out of what Mourinho said the day before when he said, I don't want to sell any of these players, Daily Blin's in yeah. my plan, but he's not going to travel down to Brighton. Uh, players, defenders who aren't playing at the World Cup will be playing, but I'll make an exception for Matteo and I mean, it's just ludicrous. And even with that, Baye has played at right-back, so it's not as if he can say, well, I've not got a right-back yeah. alternative there. It's just, it's nonsense. I, I, I get what he's trying to do because... That rhetoric will keep Daily Bins' resale value at a reasonable rate. Mm. Same with Darmian, Same with Luke Shaw, probably. Uh, but he, he made himself look a bit daft with that and looking at that squad, I, I still think there are, uh, including some of the low knees, there's still about half a dozen players there
2: who probably need shipping out. Yeah, we spoke last week, Kieran, about how big a miss Lukaku would be. Um, just going to the end of the scene then, we spoke about how can you not win without Lukaku. We said, well, I don't think Marino has answered <laughs> that at the moment. It's yeah. a difficult question to ask. And as Samuel alluded to there, before the game, it was bigged up that if you play well, you have every chance of being in that squad when they face Chelsea at Wembley. Did any players really harm their chances of playing at Wembley, Do you think? Because maybe there's a bit of complacency in this United side. Some players who are sort of shoo week in, week out. And
0: Yeah, it's. Um, I think everyone knows almost now already the cup final team and... Um no player put their hand up in my opinion any of those fringe players so you're talking you know Darmian all the way up to, to Rashford in my opinion to to get into that starting lineup just just um, just thinking back to it just each <laughs> of them yeah each of them there was there was almost one bad moment you could attribute to them you know and um, Rashford had that that freezing moment and um you know, Darwin defending for the goal. Uh, you know, th- there's no point ripping apart the team, but basically no one emerged from that game with, with any credit. And um, I know they had one hand on second place and um, Verticom is a meaningless game, but you're travelling all the way down to Brighton as a player representing that club, that shirt, what it stands for, it was shocking, you know. Um, and I-, I could see they almost felt... Maybe not embarrassed, but awkward going over to salute the fans in full time yeah. because, you know, they didn't have the first shot on target till about fifty minutes in. Um, there just there was just nothing there, you know, and um, just again as as you touched on, Lukaku not being there, the guys who weren't there would have really benefited from it. So Herrera didn't come on um Herrera only a few weeks ago. People are wondering what the hell has happened to him. He now looks like, you know, one of the foreign players. Um I said last week, you know, that Chelsea game if, uh, there's one player you really need for it, it's Lukaku because he's the run of that defence and um what you're noticing with Lukaku a lot of times, particularly in twenty eighteen is he can pull things out of nowhere. So that Huddersfield Cup game, the Chelsea game, there's a few um examples and they didn't have that outlet up front who um, could get the better of Brighton's defence. And, um, you know, Rashford and, and Marseille have, have so much talent and potential, but um, you're kind of looking at it now and you're thinking, well, you know.
2: You look at the last 12 yeah. months of both those players and see just how, how far have they actually developed. And,
0: and I think the first six months of the season, you're thinking that this is brilliant. they yeah. like Romero and De Gea. They, um, a to to point young and Shaw at times they're pushing each other and it was really exciting and every time Martial played and um, Rashford was on the bench Martial raised the bar and then vice versa but since kind of January coincidentally when Sanchez came in for Martial in particular I don't know what's happened um, his nose is, is out of joint he doesn't look the same player you know that game against Burnley he was the match winner the last game before yeah. Sanchez arrived and the difference between that game and Brighton game, you know, staggering with Rashford. I think um, he's he's always that trump card. He hadn't been in the team for for some time before he played against Liverpool. He came in and and was amazing. And he always has that ace up his sleeve. But um, again, consistency and those you know one on ones. He's had so many this season where you know it pauses for him in the crowd. It just freezes and it doesn't happen. So. I think they are still so young, but um, you're at a point now where you need these players to, to really deliver. And um, I think that's the concern along with uh, the mentality of, of the squad, because marino um, certainly has players who um, will fight for him. your Matic, you're Lukaku, those guys. But for me, not all that squad are, are willing to kind of run through walls, leave blood on the pitch like his best teams have. And, um, that's something has to be addressed, and I don't necessarily think you know it's going to be a two hundred million thing. It's, it's it's something in the current players needs to switch on um, because if they go into next season losing these games, they're not even going to finish second because every other team is going to improve. yes yeah, that is quite damning. <laughs> as easy as that, Mourinho just listen to Kieran's. Points no, never. <laughs> the, the, the operative word
1: Kieran uses with Rashford and Marsh and the Sanchez factor is coincidental as well Um, you think about Rashford at Leicester in December that Mm. was before Sanchez Um, at Bristol City at 1-1 they had a two-on-one I don't know what he was thinking but he somehow lost the ball they lose that game he came on at Burnley in that game Marshall scored and his decision making was was childish as Mourinho said um, at Leicester Marshall was actually accommodating the team with Sanchez. I think people forget. Okay, he wasn't always in his best position, but you go back to that Tottenham game in January, and Mourinho. You know, I mean, he was wrong to you say he was wrong to not play Marshall there from the start, but he switched him to the left on, in the second half, and I've not seen Damson Sanchez look more secure as a defender for Tottenham. Mm. So I don't doubt that. Then those two, having played well for the first four months of the season. And in pre-season, they see Sanchez come in and just think, what is the point? Because uh, you go back to the summer, they wanted Ivan Perisic, or Mourinho did, and following transfer window, he still gets a winger in, uh, despite them playing well up until that point. So I can understand why that is demoralising. But with Sanchez, for however many faults he has, and he does cede possession, and he can be maddening at times, but United have won more games, I think... Uh, with him from losing positions under Mourinho, than they had without yeah. him under Mourinho. I think that says a lot about how doggy the player Sanchez is, and that is often the difference with Mourinho: how much you're going about. You know, Sanchez never goes into hiding. Marshall can easily go into hiding. Yeah. Um, Rashford, I, I, I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't accuse Rashford of going into hiding, but he has this. It's weird because he is a measured measured lad but he, he seems to have this air of entitlement about him that he should be playing and I wonder whether with those two because they both were at the start of their United careers they were the golden boys there they were uh, the players that, that stimulated a stultifying season under Van Gaal and then suddenly Ibrahimovic comes in, yeah. Hopper comes in and suddenly they're not the, the figureheads of this team but United needed to make those signings at that time and they needed a striker to replace um, to replace Ibrahimovic in the summer. I look at Rashford and I just see, in all honesty, a deluxe Danny Welbeck there. I think he could be a really good squad player, but I've no confidence he's going to get you 20 goals a season. Mm-hmm. Lukaku is proven at that. And yes, you could say Rashford needs more playing time, but in order to get more playing time, he's got yeah. to perform And against Bournemouth and against Brighton. I didn't think either he or Marshall did enough to say... And he's been the team the following game. The only thing I think that works in their favour is that it looks like Lukaku won't be fit for the West Ham game, at which point you think, do you, do you put Marshall up front? Do you stick with Rashford? Um, it, it seems as though it would be unlikely for both of them to come out on the team.
2: Yeah, it's going to be sort of the next point, that, as Samuel alluded to. It's a huge test of character for both those players to really prove that they've got, and if they want to still be United for the start of next season, they've still got to maybe convince Maria that they do have that tenacity and that fight to be part of the squad. And as Samuel said, going into the West Ham game, with Lukaku looking like he's probably going to miss it. Who should United play up front, Kieran? Sanchez. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oof,
0: it's a valid I, point, that yeah. Sanchez, for the middle.
2: Yeah. I know some people it's are ironic he, it,
0: But it. Yeah, his best goalscoring season for Arsenal. It was it was obviously a central strike, but it's his least favourite of the roles in yeah. the four the yeah. forward ones. Um. <laughs> Just think back to that Everton game on New Year's Day at Marciard yeah, through yeah, the I'd middle. Say he, as well. he 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 looked their best fans. natural yeah. finisher, you know, even better than Lukaku in my opinion at times in terms of a natural finisher. And um you'd like to think, you know, if he's gonna rediscover his mojo, that's that's a perfect occasion against West Ham's uh, shaky defence at times. <laughs> but I will think um you know the summer Lukaku is going to be very very tired. I think Belgium will do pretty well in the yeah. World Cup to go far. Um, they will have chances. Uh, Marseille and Rashford uh, starting next season. You know, because they started last season so well on the back of preseason. I I think you know it could happen again. Um, and Mourinho is going to be so careful with Martial in particular. I don't think he'll be in a rush to let him go after, you know, the precedent of Salah, De Bruyne, Lukaku, because that essentially all happened in one spell of management. Mourinho's transfer record up until that point of, of letting players go is pretty good. Yeah. Yet it's follow. It's going to be one of his legacies is how did you let three, uh, amazing young talents who weren't necessarily flourishing at the time, but have gone on to be yeah. superstars and, uh, cost you in other ways since they've gone. So, I think that Salah effect will definitely be on uh, the mind of him that uh, he'll have to be so certain about Martial and and that the money coming in for him would be worth the risk because um, I think as he's he's pointed out he wants to keep all those forwards he doesn't think he can improve them so it's going to take someone knocking on his door and really wanting to go and you're just wondering will that happen? Yeah, of
2: course. If you got rid of one of his attackers, probably to bring another in as well to to replace yeah. that attacking line. And earlier in the season, Mourinho said he didn't want to add a, another attacking player per se up front. It depends who became available, I guess. And yeah, you probably know better than us on that. Samuel. And uh, yeah, Kieran and I have
1: been very uh, careful not to have any transfer lines about United being yeah. linked to attackers either. And, and- <laughs> James uh, Robson as well. Um, that that's just genuine as well. Yeah. I, I've I've not heard anything concrete suggest that United want to afford. I think that going into January there was obviously they, they were looking at Hertzel, and then Sanchez became yeah. amenable to joining them over City. So quite rightly they switched to Sanchez. I think with Gareth Bale, that's United's interest in him. I don't think has been. It's probably at the lowest it's been in the last five or six yeah. years, um, which is which reflects his stock at Real Madrid. Even though, ironically, the other night, he seemed to play quite well <laughs> in the Clasico and scored a really good goal. Um, I, I'd still say there's an argument that Bale would be a worthy worthy signing for United, but the fact that he's now talking up the possibility of going to Bayern Munich, I think, again, is reflective of, of his stock at the moment and at Bayern where Robin's going. I know signed signing in contract yeah it seems like a good fit for him, even though it's it's a bit of a coward's way out. He's going to a, a, the monopoly of the yeah. Bundesliga. Um, with, with Martial, I mean, as Kieran touched upon it, I think with those three players that Mourinho discarded previously, I think people could understand it with De Bruyne because it's, it's easily forgotten how bad he was at Chelsea. Yeah. Under Mourinho, there was, I mean, I, I think the one that stands out it's such an unmemorable game yet it's so memorable as that 0-0 at United um, against Moises United in August 2013 when De Bruyne just was really poor and didn't cement his place in the team and then he was off on loan a few months later I think the Salah when he left nobody was really bothered, no. bothered about it as you say whereas with Lukaku when he came back to Chelsea from a really good season at West Brom he thought it would be logical to bed him in because not just that Chelsea didn't have a striker at that point. This was a year before they signed Costa. I think they they had Demba Ba, but he was very much um, a backup striker. And I think they ended up with Eto'o. And they were, I mean, they were looking at Wayne Rooney at the time, who was was past him back then as well. Uh, so I'd say the one mistake was was Lukaku out of them. It's just uh, certain players, as Rooney said, will flourish under certain managers. And De Bruyne and Salah have become world class under. Yeah. Guardiola and Klopp, uh, but with with Marshall, as, as as you said, if, if a forward does leave and of the six, United have he would probably be the likeliest at this stage. You have to go out and get a replacement, um, irrespective of the fact that United have got someone like Tahith Chong, who they really need to be uh, keeping a close eye on to ensure that that he does make that step up successfully, and also Angel Gomez as well. Uh, I think Mourinho was he hinted that after the cup semi-final it wasn't just about spending money on players it was also um the evolution of some young players as well which was encouraging to hear because even though i, I i'd say united probably do need five signings in the summer but that also has to be factored into with bringing players like chong in uh to the first team squad gomez is still a, a bit of a way off yeah. i'd say and you look at someone like Callum Gribbin. He's a mercurial talent. He's probably a talent. who's not going to make it ultimately at United, but there's something to be salvaged there. I think if United can um, channel their, their resources into it, but definitely if, if Marshall goes, they they need a they need someone to, to balance that attack because as it stands, I still think there's an argument that a right winger comes in there because it does still feel a lot a bit, a bit lopsided, and you go into the cup final. I think the guy who's going to be playing as the, the de facto right winger is is Lingard, and he's mm. he's not a right winger. the alternative is Juan Mata, who's a left-footed playmaker. So that's that's why it was a bit of a surprise when Mourinho
2: came out and said that, even though they they had got Sanchez in January. Yeah, that sort of implies you that he, he does know his best right winger. Whereas as you said, they're Lingard Mata. I guess he wanted to play Marshall or Rashford there, but there's still four. Unconvincing options with really on the right wing in United. Yeah. If they want to be serious charged for the Premier League next season, you need to know you're starting 11 pretty soon to the season, don't you? Your strongest 11. Because...
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, sometimes it's a bit difficult because or it's, I can understand why a manager would say, I don't have a, a first 11 because there will be, come a game where you change yeah. it, and we even saw with Guardiola, even when push comes to shove. He will make a tactical switch that will yeah. take everyone off guard. It didn't work at Anfield when he brought Gundogan in for, for Sterling in that game. But by and large, with that City side, after the three-at-the-back experiment, you would know for, for most of the season what their 1-11 to 11, what it would yeah. be. It would be the two playmakers with Fernandinho in midfield. It would be Sane and Sterling either side of, of Aguero because... Jesus was was injured for a large part of it. Um, and, and even with a, a defender Bristol as company, you still know that he's likely to be okay. a, a bit of a constant there. Um, whereas United haven't had that. And I think the problem extends beyond the forwards because Mourinho's not had settled uh, so. defensive yeah. access there. He's, he started with Bailly and Jones, and they were really, really good at the start of the season. As soon as Baye succumbs to that injury that's broken up Jones has missed three months of the season through injury as well so that's part of the problem and I can understand why maybe he would resist making signings in certain positions because he feels as though he's got the quantity there yeah. and he would argue he's got the quality as well um, so it would be interesting to see what happens I, I I'd still think even though ideally they'd like five signings I could see them ending up or, or prioritising four at the very
2: most, yeah. Um, we said about earlier, Tronk and Gomez. They could get opportunities to play for United this week. Of course, United could secure second place against West Ham on Thursday. Then we've got the last day of the season against Watford this weekend. If United are to get second place secured before that Watford game, would you expect to see some of the youngsters feature?
0: Yeah, I think there's uh, a lot of parallels between the last game of last season against Palace. Um, that was ahead of a cup final as well, they were up the Europa League final, and um, I think. You know, it almost wouldn't be as too big a jump for Mourinho to do it because, you know, playing McTominay and Joel Pereira isn't as bold as it was then. And they've always been uh, around the first team for most of the season. And um, Gomez last season hadn't even played for the reserves when he was parachuted in. So there's a parallel there with Chong, who just won the Young Player of the Year award with the club, like Gomez did. So um, I could definitely see him playing, you know four or five academy products I don't think you'd necessarily be playing you know everyone from Roshan Williams to Tosin Kahinde but I think he'll definitely given how it will probably be Michael Carrick's last game he'll want to have that kind of uh, mix of um, you know, the future and of course the present so um, I think if they have second zone up which they should do against West Ham Byron uh, another disaster but the thing you United know, is even they generally do respond after a horror show uh, going by the pattern of games so I, th- I think yeah he will bring in a few of the kids
2: yeah. you mentioned that as well Michael Carrick's last game this is the first podcast since that player of the years award it was a nice ceremony at the end when Mourinho uh, gave that special achievement award to Carrick and he gave him his whistle, his headache tablets and his training top with his initials on it. Um, it'll be an interesting atmosphere then at, at Old Trafford on Sunday. Um, is it going to be one of looking towards that FA Cup final or one of reflecting on what they've achieved this season?
1: I think um, I think a little bit of both in the, I mean, the second thing really does me to tears, like Marina keeps on saying that every press conference, how important it is to finish second. Yep. It's really just moot. I mean, yes, United could surpass, I think, some like four of the Ferguson title-winning yep. sides' um, point source. I think if they win on Thursday, they've got more points than the treble-winning side, but it's such a misleading statistic, yep. and you have to factor into it that City have been... Champions Letters since December, really, uh, November, December. So I think with this, I mean, it's just, I, from a personal perspective and a, and a professional perspective, I hope United get the, the, at least a point at West Ham because then it makes Sunday's game interesting. Yeah. Because if they haven't, I think it's just, even though they're playing for something inverted commas of, of being second, um It's it's just not going to be as interesting Mm -hmm. as it would knowing that they've got that position secured because you do want to see Tahith Chong get a run out. Um, Ethan Hamilton was on the bench at Hudsfield in the Cup uh, back in February. You wouldn't be surprised if he was in the squad. I mean, that's the thing about that squad against Palace last May. Zach Dernley was on the bench, but there were some really um, surprising calls in it. I think people expected maybe Mitchell or Harrop or... Joel Pereira to get a run out but I don't think anybody really expected someone like Dermley to be on the bench it was a real left field call by Mourinho um, Willock was on the bench as well but he'd been involved in squads up until that point recently so yeah I mean the worst case scenario is they, they lose to West Ham and then you've got Darmian and Flaney starting on Sunday and I, I say it with a, a, a bit of bias, but nobody really wants that. You, you do want to see, uh, you do want to be excited, yeah. and yeah, Josh Harrop played one game, scored one goal for United. That was his career, but you know it, it got the adrenaline pumping in the press conference, in, in press box, um, in what was a, what was a utterly meaningless game because you were seeing a local lad really go out there and express himself, and
2: hopefully that's the case again on Sunday. It's I guess these two games. Um, type of, I mean, if you look at United's record this season, West Ham away, Watford at home, they should be. Are we going to say that should be six points? I mean, well, if they if they want to actually. Every, every time I think
0: they have a banker like West Brom at home, we um, <laughs> saw what happened. So, uh, uh, yeah, they will. Surely they won't be complacent, and obviously with everything that's happened in the past couple of days, they'll want to really put on a performance. I think. Um, you know, not to link the two things. No. but they really won't want to put a shambles of a of a team out and performance again. So I think it'll be a lot better than Friday night. I'm sure. And
2: of course, for some players, it could be their last performance before the FA Cup final. So they'll need to uh, to impress Mourinho because if they were to win and seal second, then
1: yeah, I mean we we, we overlooked it earlier, but with Marshall, he's not guaranteed to be in yeah. the France squad at the World Cup either. I mean, they've they've got quite a fair few. Attempting Brilliant young yeah. yeah. forwards there, uh, and some old ones, and Olivier Giroud as well, who who's really excelled at Chelsea in the last few weeks and probably start the cup mm. final, next. and even the so, likes
2: of Florent Ovid, who's led Marseille to a yeah. Europa League final. Yeah. You wouldn't say he's on the same level as Martial Yeah, man, I mean, but...
1: probably D- Deschamps has form for making some quizzical calls, shall we say, with his with his squad selections, and and there was a long period where Martial wasn't in the squad when he probably should have been. Yeah. And when he got in the squad for the March internationals, I was slightly surprised by that because he'd been injured and when he had been playing, he hadn't been playing well, but Deschamps uh, called him up for it. But if Deschamps has been watching him recently, I, I, you know, you've know, got Lamar and Mbappe, Pogba's effectively a forward in many yeah. ways as well. There's, there aren't many incentives to to take Marshall at the moment. So, um, as I said, I think it, I, I'd like to see him start up front if Lukaku's not available for the West Ham game so that's a really good opportunity for him to lay down a marker and as she said I, I, I do think it's kind of moot for the cup final place so I'd say maybe the only uncertainty is who Smalling's partner will be mm. and I think that's Jones' to lose uh, and the fact that Jones was put up as the um, broadcaster's interviewee mm. um, ahead of the cup final as well on Monday that would suggest He's got a measure of fitness back, who is certainly going to be fit in time for it as well. So I think that's his, his position to lose. Uh, so come that Sunday game, I don't think Maram Fellaini, if he does start, will be going into it with much hope of starting the cup final.
2: That's bad news for you, Matthew Darmian, yeah. if you're listening, I'm sorry. About... Yes. Um, also interesting that you said that uh, Jones probably United's best defender against Spurs in the semi-final as well, which went a bit under the radar after that certain tweet, but... <laughs> Keeps on cropping up in every podcast well, that, we do. Yeah, I, I, You've <laughs> got to blame
1: the, uh, the the FA Cup's admin for yeah. that, I suppose, because I'm I, I coming away from it, and I think Kieran was the same thing. We both thought that Jones was the United's penalty. best best defender
2: that day, but it was for Smalling's pocket that got all the credit. Yeah, well, um, thank you both for joining us. We'll, we'll be back next thank week you. after the finale of this Premier League. We've we'll got two games left, and then we'll look ahead to that huge FA Cup semi final, where maybe, hopefully, second place United will be Gearing up to face Chelsea, Mourinho versus Conte one last time in England. It should be a good one. Thank you both for joining us. Stick with us and make sure to subscribe on Acast for all the latest episodes from Manchester Is Red podcast.